Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I'm interviewing uh, two people. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ch- the challenges that COVID has, has brought uh, to nonprofits and, and historic downtowns. Uh, so we have Jim, or sorry, yeah, well, no, we have Jim Brown from, uh, he's a board member with the Historic uh, Preservation Trust of Lancaster County. And then we have John O'Brien from downtown uh, Westchester. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So um, I don't know, uh, I guess, um, John, we can go first. Uh, sure. tell, me, tell me a little bit about your background. Sure, so I am a uh, lifetime resident of Westchester. Um, I, I grew up here, I went to college here. I'm two-time graduate of Westchester University and got my political science degree in 2010. And I got went back and completed my MBA in 2016 from the university. I actually, though I live here uh, for the last nine years, I was working in Harrisburg, uh, living in Westchester, commuting up to Harrisburg, and I worked for the uh, Pennsylvania House of Representatives uh, for the Appropriations Committee. Uh, My role there, I was the uh, communications director and senior policy advisor, focusing on crafting the the state budget as well as the uh, any other kind of fiscal matter that came before the House. Um, on a, I got married this, you know, on a more personal level, uh, I got married this year, despite all these challenges. Um, my wife and I got married in our backyard here in Westchester, much smaller fair, but it was great. Um, and I'm also a, a longtime volunteer firefighter with first Westchester fire company. Okay, very cool. And I've been with the business improvement district now as the executive director since July. So it's been uh, quite the time to come into this uh, in the middle of everything that's happening in our world right now. Um, but I do love the work. And I think, you know, Westchester is, despite the challenges, is making great strides to really overcome them. Yes. Yeah. As um, Do you feel like your work in Harrisburg kind of gives you some insight into how the policies are crafted with de- so dealing with the with the um, with downtown Westchester? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the roles um, as the executive director is to be the advocate for the business community to our local and uh, state federal representation. Um, One thing we did in Westchester to help um, our retail stores and our restaurants is our main street is Gay Street through downtown Westchester. Uh, We closed that to vehicle traffic to allow restaurants and retail space out into the streetway. 
um, so that they could more properly socially distance, um, limit the spread, but still be able to, you know, survive this pandemic economically right. um, after being shut down for a while. So, you know, with my role with the state, K Street's actually a state road. So there was a lot of logistical hurdles oh, yeah. um, through the local council, but also through the state to try and get that permits and everything in line so that then we could close the uh, the uh, Gay Street, which is you know essentially our main street. It's been worked out phenomenally. Uh, winter's still a big concern for us, but yeah. Okay, very good, thank you. Uh, so Jim, uh, tell me a little bit about your background. Sure, um, my day job, I work for the Effort and National Bank. I'm director of facilities. So I manage all the real estate for the bank, whether it's um, uh, expansion of the territory, building new locations, remodeling, uh, a small staff that um, we manage all the, not only the day-to-day -day maintenance, but the cleaning and that sort of thing. And um, COVID has made quite a challenge for us. Um, you know, one of the things that's been especially a large challenge is the daily sanitizations and wipe downs. Yeah. Um, we have, in the town of Effort, we have kind of a downtown campus. So most of our back office is in the downtown. It's walkable. You walk between them, but it's large buildings with a lot of cubicles, a lot of offices, and just getting around to sanitize everything daily um, takes a lot of time out of my, my normal staff. Um, we do bring in an outside cleaning service, but you still, that's not complete. I mean, if you're right. trying to balance a budget, you just can't, you know, afford to pay that much for it. So you try and work it out in-house. Um, one of the things we looked at when it all started was actually an electrostatic sprayer. Mm. And that's really helped us. Um, we found one. Um, anytime you have something like this, a pandemic, why everybody and their uncle tries to come up with a machine that'll work and they're <laughs> sprayers and every other kind of odd thing under the sun. And we found a device we really liked. Uh, works well. Um, but it's really caused... Um, everybody, and especially our department, to kind of turn its head in its ear and say, okay, we've had an outbreak. You know, somebody's tested positive. Somebody's living with somebody who has tested positive. Right. And then it's, what do we do? So our organization, we're not a big bank. Um, we're 14 branches. Um, you know, a lot of it's Northern Lancaster County, but we're in Lebanon County, Berks County, um, and the Southern part of Lancaster County. So it's, um, it's a challenge to try and meet those objectives. And then if you have somebody that, that tests positive or lives with somebody, you've got to deal with that. You've got to do the back tracing. Right. And what we've done is there's three of us that kind of have formed the um, COVID-19 team. So it's one of the persons in HR who helps us follow all the CDC guidelines and really keep up on that because it does change and it has to change so that we can um, react correctly. Right. And the implementation phase typically comes to me. But what happens is when we get an outbreak, it's typically three of us um, and the head of security um, get together and we kind of just have a little bit of a, a powwow, if you will. And we just say, okay, what are we going to do? You know, how bad is this situation? Yeah. Do we need to close the location and send the people home? And that's a concern. I mean, anybody in business, you know, we're all under a strain. Right. And making that decision to close the businesses is often a big deal. Um, you know, we end up engaging the employees and saying, well, is there anything that the people there can do? 
until the end of the day. Uh, because again, you know, customers are important. When you disrupt a customer too often, they go somewhere else, whether you have an ice cream shop or a bank or whatever it is. So COVID has been a challenge. Um, in my mind, it, it kind of comes down to a couple of things. It comes down to science and logic. Mm-hmm. And you have to really follow the science um, and have them tell us, you know, what is happening, what's changing, um, how is this virus evolving and morphing, mm-hmm. um, and logic. You have to put some logic in because, um, you know, some people just don't want to follow it. And our company internally has made the strong stand that everybody will follow protocol. And if you're going to come into the business, you, know, you are going to do the simple things of wear a mask and we have hand sanitizer for you. And if you don't have a mask, you're going to we're going to provide you one. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense from the economics point that you were making that you don't want to have more business disruptions. And if you follow these protocols, it's less likely that you're going to have business disruptions. Yeah. 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 And, and that's tough. Um, you know, we're in Northern Lancaster County. We have a, a, a large population of plain people, right. whether they're Amish or Mennonite, and many of them um, don't believe that it's real. Right. Um, and they don't want to do it. And we've taken a very, I don't want to say a hard stance, but a very, um, a very strong line in the sand to right. say, well, if you're going to come inside, you're going to wear a mask. And here's some hand sanitizer if you like it. Yeah. yeah. And if I, you don't want to wear a mask, reason. you can go to the car. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about the history of the, um, the Historic Preservation Trust. Um, of Lancaster County. Sure, I'd love to. Um, I've um, been involved with the trust a few years now. Uh, The trust was formed in 1966. It was a very grassroots organization. It was a subcommittee. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. The the door was opening, but we're good. The, um, the trust was formed originally was part of a historical society. It was part of the Conestoga Valley Historical Society. Um, so a few of those in the county still exist. You know, the Cacalago Valley and the Conestoga Historical Society, but the rest of them have kind of disappeared. It was a subcommittee that was formed to study the Ellicott House, um, which is now known as the uh, Saner Ellicott von Hess House, um, because they discovered that the house was used as a training house um, by Andrew Ellicott to train Lewis and Clark in the house on how to survey and how to go forward and map out the Western territories. So when they discovered the importance of the property um, and the wrecking ball was looming, uh, they wanted to push it over to build the parking garage, which is currently built around us. Mm-hmm. So when they discovered the significance and um, saved the house. The house went for a few years. Um, I'm always learning more from the history and our records, and that's really interesting. So about 1973, the public um, house sat from 1966 to 1973, and the house sat there. It was in disrepair, and the public soon got to the point the romance was over, and they soon said, well, what are you going to do with the place? Right. And the public came forward and said, fix it. So fortunately, you know, Von Hess and um, Lancaster newspapers, um, Steinmans, came forward to fund the project and restore it. 
So the purpose of the trust and the house is our best model is to educate and inform people the importance of keeping significant buildings in Lancaster County for future generations. So the purpose of the, the trust uh, is to advocate and educate people in all townships, municipalities and say, gee whiz, you have this old building here. You know, it looks pretty tattery. Um, you know, some of the, the town members might say, we need a new modern structure, let's push it over. And then you come to find out just like the Ellicott house that, you know, Lewis and Clark right. you know, were there for a winter to be educated. Um, so that's a big part of our mission, part of our goal is to not only advocate to save those buildings, but to educate people on the importance of that. Because if you don't do that, you know, sooner or later you end up with a, with a strip mall and right. um, you end up with a bunch of outlets to become outmoded in 20 years. Right. Um, yeah, so the, the, the urban. That's a little bit about the history. That was at the height, height of the urban renewal where they were trying to push everybody out of, out of the, the cities too. And, and there's some um, progress being made in Lancaster to make some of the buildings that were torn down at least a little bit more, more, um, uh, I don't I, maybe streetscape friendly, like they're putting glass in them instead of having them just be complete bricks. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, there at least there's, there's some, there's some positive movement, but I think that it's pretty important that the, that the people who found it, um, the Historic Preservation Trust made that stand at the height of, of that urban renewal. Yeah. Um, yeah, now it's, it seems as though we've gone from push it over to Hey, we've now recognized 40 years later that this is a pretty great look. Um, maybe we need to replicate that feel. And that's right. the movement yeah. I think you're seeing more. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So John, tell me a little bit about um, the downtown Westchester and, and your history programs, services. Sure. So, I mean, Westchester is a, it's a really old town. Uh, it was founded in, I think, 1762, originally called Turk's Head. Um, which was the uh, named after the Turks Head Inn, which was at the intersection of Market, essentially very close to the intersection of Market and High Street by where our old county courthouse was. It's been the seat of Chester County, the county seat, um, since, you know, the, a little, you know, I think it was like 20 years later um, when Chester County and Delaware County split into two. Um, and then it was renamed Westchester because obviously it was west of Chester, which used to be yeah. the, the seat of because Delaware and Chester County were all Chester County oh, yeah. as one county. Um, so Westchester has a very rich uh, historical um, look to it, but also the individuals um, that we, we celebrate here. I mean, we have, you know, Bayard Rustin, an iconic um, civil rights leader. Um, Samuel Barber, a world-renowned uh, composer, Horace Pippin, a famous African-American painter, um, and, and you know many others uh, that make up the historical fabric of Westchester. But if you come to downtown Westchester, I think one of the things you'll notice is you know all the brick sidewalks. Um, the town itself has very certain. There's height restrictions towards buildings. Um, there's just like this classical old view um, as you walk in downtown Westchester, which is what makes it such an attractive place to, you know, to live and to, to work in. Uh, we have in Westchester, we have the the borough council set up the historical and architectural review board, um, so that any changes, significant changes that a property owner um, wants to make in the that's um, hard for short in the hard yeah. district. 
needs to get approved by the hard board and then by borough council so that we can kind of maintain that classical appearance of downtown Westchester. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, the, you know, the business improvement district, our philanthropic arm is called the Westchester Downtown Foundation. Um, and members of that uh, for the last several years have been engaged in the, what we call the historic preservation awards, which is kind of, you know, recognizing with, you know, the, the restrictions we have in HARB, it is, can sometimes seem onerous to a property owner that they have to follow these restrictions. So this is a way to kind of celebrate our history, to thank our property owners for being part of the fabric of Westchester, to make it a, a positive experience. Uh, and it, 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 it's worth the, the awards, you know, the attendances grown every year. Uh, this year, we were not able to have them due to COVID, um, which is, uh, you know, a story of Westchester in general is, you know, the, uh, we have a lot of our events that weren't able to happen in downtown right. Westchester. Yeah. So we've and tried to pivot that, but we're already planning the preservation awards for next October um, to try and, you know, make up for what we didn't have today. But, you know, we recognize in, in downtown Westchester that uh, the character and the, the look of our town is important, especially as we're, you know, we're, we're growing all the time. Right. And, you know, our population um, within the borough, we're, you know, at 1.8 square miles. So we're not that big geographically, right. but density wise, you know, we have density that's comparable with, you know, many areas of the city of Philadelphia. Um, so you have those challenges now where people still want to live here. So there's really only up to go. You got to knock right. it down yeah. and build um, to go up. So we're constantly you know, trying to balance those interests with historical preservation, because, you know, just because it is old doesn't mean that it, it's necessarily something that we want, want to keep. Right. Um, so we want to make sure, but when we do have new designs um, that are built, you know, yeah. the emphasis is, and the developers have been very good with this mm -hmm. on making sure what we are building kind of fits still within that classical view of Westchester. Right. Um, so it doesn't look like this modern uh, building that's just, you know, at a place uh, in the downtown. Yeah, only recently in Lancaster City have there been tall, tall, not not, not tall for, for the rest of the world, but tall for right. Lancaster right. buildings being built. And the first one was the Grice building, which was, you know, probably almost 100 years ago. But the rule was you couldn't build higher than a church steeple. So mm -hmm. what the Emblem Urban, who was a famous architect in Lancaster, did was he measured off of a church that was on a hill across town. And he said he wasn't yeah. taller than that one. <laughs> and, and then, but it's only been in maybe the last 10 or 15 years that any other buildings have been as tall as the Bryce building. Right. Um, and we have you know, Westchester University in downtown, what, uh, you know, in the borough of Westchester, um, it's an, an expanding university, you know, with the, right. uh, obviously I, I'm a bit uh, biased because I'm <laughs> an alum and a very proud alumni. Um, but when we look at the PASHI system as a whole, you know, there's so many struggles within that system, yes, but Westchester right. University continues to be the, the kind of the gem of that uh, university. No offense to, to Millersville. I know that's, there's <laughs> probably a good viewership out of your way on that, but, yes, yes. you know, we constantly see increased enrollment. Uh, the university is expanding and, you know, they kind of become landlocked. So it's always, you know, a, a, a work 
in progress uh, with Westchester University to make sure that, you know, the borough and the university complement, because there really is a symbiotic relationship there. Right, there is. You know, when one succeeds, the other succeeds. Mm -hmm. And I think both parties recognize that. So uh, we might have just at certain points different views um, on how to kind of make Westchester succeed uh, and be the best it can be. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, the university has done a fantastic job um, coming in and they themselves recognize, you know, with the buildings that they have implemented, it's, you know, they, they fit that character of Westchester and another design standard that's not as much in the historical realm, but is important in today's age. And it's important to the citizens of Westchester is making sure things are eco-friendly. Right. And the university has been a leader with kind of reducing their emissions and, and making, and making smart buildings, um, that kind of work environmentally well. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, that is something that's very important. And I think that there's a, there's definitely an intersection between sustainability and preservation because, mm -hmm. you know, if the building's already built, it's much greener than, you know, a, a new building and even energy wise. Like if you mm -hmm. look, the buildings built like in the fifties to seventies are terrible energy usage, mm -hmm. but the buildings that are much older are better because energy, you know, fuel wasn't cheap and easy to get. <laughs> so right. you had to make it better. Um, but I, um, but so I, I really think that, that that view of preservation sustainability needs to be reinforced because I don't think the two communities talk to each other very often. Right. And like, you know, and like as far as the same experience as Westchester that, you know, we've seen this revitalizations of downtowns because, you know, if you go back into the 60s, 70s, and even to a degree, the 80s, you know, downtowns were, you know, a lot in towns like Westchester and Lancaster, that's where you went to shop, you know, you had all those right. small little storefronts. Yeah. But then as you saw the rise of, you know, the suburban malls coming right. in, yeah. it devastated downtowns. And, and built um, and building for, building for cars, like built, right. just drive everywhere. Absolutely. And so, you know, Westchester has seen that revitalization. I think society, you know, the American public in general kind of is going back towards more of the downtown areas. Right. Um, Ephrata probably sees that as well. My, my old boss was uh, in Harrisburg was uh, from Ephrata. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, <laughs> the, but you know, we need to um, kind of continue to recognize that even though, you know, these downtowns are, are becoming happening again and the revitalization is important. Right. And so we need to balance both interests. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. So um, you mentioned about the preservation, your historic preservation awards <laughs> having to, having to not, did you have them or did you just completely cancel them for this year? Uh, they were canceled for were this canceled. year. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah. But they are in the works for next year. Okay. Um, so it does take how, a degree of planning, and that was just the logistics thing we couldn't pull off this year. So how housed has uh, COVID changed your programs and your services? Sure. So, um, you know, on a funding mechanism, as far as being a nonprofit, we're really... Um, we are independent from the borough of Westchester, but we have a municipal agreement. Um, we are set up under state law as a business improvement district, and we are funded by an assessment from property owners within our district. Uh, the downtown Westchester business improvement district doesn't really, doesn't encompass the entire borough and it's only really focused on commercial properties. So our right. mission is really to recruit and retain businesses in downtown Westchester. Oh, so yeah. this obviously has been a huge challenge for us this year, but you know we're doing actually pretty well. And I think that's in part to the community stepping up and realizing they need to support small business now more than ever. And then going into the holiday season, we're really ramping up our efforts there. So, you know, one thing that we 
draws people to Westchester are the events. You know, we have our old fashioned Christmas parade, um, which draws thousands and thousands of people. It's televised on QVC. Um, that's not going to happen this year because right. that just is not a responsible act uh, with COVID-19 being out there. Uh, we have the Iron Hill uh, bike criterion. That also wasn't able to happen this year. We have smaller events like um, get what we call gallery walks where uh, we partner with local retail stores and local artists put art in there. And it's kind of this, you know, you walk around the various art stops. Once again, that, that couldn't happen. So, you know, if we look into Christmas, what we're trying to do in the holiday season is really pivot towards creating more ambiance in the downtown, more decorations. Uh, we're going to work to get like Santa Claus to ride around in the fire truck on Saturdays because, mm -hmm. you know, kids aren't going to be able to go to the mall like they traditionally would to go see Santa. So this is kind of a unique way to get people into the downtown. Um, and then it's a marketing thing. It's just, you know, reinforcing that message. We always talk about shop small, but this year it's more important than ever. And, you know, we've been using the phrase that, you know, if we don't buy local, then we can say bye-bye to local. Um, and that, you know, if we continue to pivot towards, Amazon, towards Target, towards Walmart, you know, especially this pandemic kind of has driven people there because they were allowed to stay open right. you know, where state regulations forced our smaller businesses to, to shut down. Um, you know, it's really going to change the character of, you know, what we really consider Americana. Yeah, no, I agree. So, uh, Jim, can you tell me a little bit about how COVID's changed the programs and services uh, with the, with the trust? Sure. Um, <laughs> The Historic Preservation Trust was always a very traditional, um, I don't want to use the word old fashioned, but a very traditional approach to um, reaching out to interested people, to our membership. Um, we have a gentleman that's come on our board and he, um, he, he runs a, um, uh, a Facebook group called Uncharted Lancaster. And yes, he, he, was a, he was a podcast guest a few months ago. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, he he um, has the energies. He's younger than our average board member, which is really helpful. And he's really helped us get our message out through social media. And that has really um, increased our, our viewership. It's increased our presence. Um, and it's allowing us to get our message out in a different way, um, reaching the people we need to reach uh, because that's the future of the organization. You know, uh, it's not somebody my age or higher um, that we have to reach. We have to reach somebody younger and help them in educating. And that's the key to it. You know, right. if somebody goes to open a shop or a store or something in an old building, they look at it and they say, oh, well, look at this old brick or whatever. And they don't understand uh, right. until they're educated what they have in front of them. And that's what the, the trust is working towards. So we are trying to um, rely a lot more on our social media because we have not been able to do the, the similar events, just as John had said, um, right. we just can't do them and be responsible. Um, you know, we, we've, we've done events such as opening our house on first Friday, which is similar to what John said they're doing in Westchester where they have um, the art type walks and open galleries and we haven't been able to do that either. So the social media piece has been our biggest um, our biggest help in getting our word out on a continual basis for the trust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I think that that's really was a, was a good, um, a good pivot for, for the trust. And, and I find even in our, in our business, you know, restoring 
older buildings, there's a whole educational component that needs to happen before you can, somebody needs to understand the why before they can, you know, write the check. So, yeah. And so I think that it's important to, to have that education out there for, for people and, and social media is definitely one, one way to do that. And it's, social media has been so important because historically the organization um, would have put out our cry for help or assistance or education through the paper newspaper. Well, right. that's, you know, um, it's just a trend that's going away. It is. Um, you know, and, and doing it social media and getting it out that way um, really hits everybody right where they, yeah. right where they're interested yeah. to be. Yeah. So are there um, um, creative ways that you're still engaging with the community? I know that social media is one, but are there other, other things that, that you've done? Well, one of the things that um, is upcoming, uh, we do a, a local architect that um, is working on a, on a book and also a tour. Um, once we're to the point, I think we can open up a little bit more and conduct a tour is of all the Samlin urban um, sites in Lancaster. Um, this gentleman has done a lot of homework on, on Mr. Urban. Um, and he wants to conduct a small tour in downtown. Um, it's been said, and I'm going to give it in round numbers, but it's been said that Urban, he was a prolific architect. Yes. And he created, he designed and created buildings from 1888 to 1939. He passed away 37, he became ill. Um, and it's been said that the square of Lancaster is called the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, that he created, designed and built 140 buildings within a 1200 uh, foot radius of that monument. And that's incredible. He's prolific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was quite a guy. So that's one of the things that when we get to the point we can do it, um, we'll conduct that sort of a tour. Um, but the social media still falls back to one of the oh, biggest yeah. things yeah, definitely. that we're doing. That's Trying to stay relevant. Yes, yes. So John, can you um, can you tell me about some of the creative ways that you're still engaging with the community? I know you talked about some of the things you're doing to promote for Christmas and things like that. Are there is there anything else? Um, so the, you know, obviously, one thing, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast was creating those outdoor experiences in the right. downtown with oh, the closure yeah. of their main street, but also trying to find ways, you know, we're allowing our nonprofits and restaurants uh, we worked with borough council. We have uh, three parking garages in downtown Westchester. One's owned by the county, two are owned by the borough. The two owned by the borough, uh, we worked so that they can rent the rooftops of those. Um, so for there's nonprofits that, you know, we have our uptown theater in downtown Westchester. They can do performances. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, in that outside space. Obviously, we're getting to the point, though, where winter's coming. And right. Is, um, a, a major concern. I mean, that has all these small businesses um, very worried that mm -hmm. customers are going to kind of stay indoors because right. you know, they're not going to have that same level of comfort uh, to go out. The, yeah. the downtown, the outside, the closure of Gay Street, for instance, is only going to last till the end of November because then logistically it's it just be too cold. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes too cold. We got to worry about snow. The permits also do expire at the end of November. So it, there's a whole logistical set of things, but you know, it's, it's the same as Jim. We have two um, social media accounts on our, our main ones are Facebook and Instagram, downtown Westchester. Um, just, you know, search those both within Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can follow along to see all the great things that we're doing 
Um, that's really our goal there is twofold. It's to, you know, not only promote uh, Westchester as a whole, but also the individual businesses. So we kind of, you know, boost and repost what they are doing, um, trying to get people's eyes on, you know, the great food and the great shopping that still exists in Westchester, that you can do takeout, that you can do online sales for our retail establishments, um, you know, and it's investing in paid advertisements too, uh, to kind of, so when I talk about, you know, the ambiance we're doing in downtown Westchester or shop small weekend, which is mm-hmm. right after Thanksgiving, right. you know, we want to follow that up with paid social media advertising to make sure that folks understand that these events are going on to come shop locally. And that's, you know, as the new executive director, that's a, a big, been a big focus of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, I think the way we marketed Westchester was a lot of print media. Um, and not that we're going to, you know, completely jettison that because there right. is still a customer base that views that, but more and more people consume content online and you have to meet customers where they exist. And right yeah. now that's social media. Yeah. I agree from a marketing standpoint, it's almost like you have to do both. It's, right. You can't, you can't just do one or the other. Um, and yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was going to go down a marketing rabbit hole, but I'm not going to. <laughs> That's kind of my other thing besides preservation. So, <laughs> is there well, any? One of, one of the interesting things that I just wanted to interject a little bit, and I'm sure John's seen the same thing, is you know the social media piece is is good and really interesting, but you have to be careful not to get so lengthy either. Mm-hmm. Right. You've got to be able to give that information in bites, big enough that somebody can sit there and you know in five to seven minutes. But if if it takes them more than seven minutes to read information you've posted, you've lost. Yeah, right. You've and lost. Se- so yeah, seven minutes is a little bit hard. Yeah. Right, and we're we're actually redoing um, our website, which is downtownwestchester.com. We're gonna do we're in the middle of a complete rebuild on that. Unfortunately, it won't be live till about January, but or February of 2021. Um, but the goal there in the social media world is to, you know, drive them somewhere. Right. So, and that's the same thing with the stores. It's yeah. not just, you know, about seeing that it's about them getting to the webpage right. of that restaurant, of that retail establishment so that hopefully they make a sale. Um, and then one kind of quick pivot though, I did, you know, it's a new facet that incorporates, uh, some new age to Westchester, but also celebrates our history is Westchester has really its first, uh, large mural, uh, which was just completed on East Market Street by the Chester County um, Children or Women's and Children's Fund, I believe. Um, It celebrates the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment. Um, It's, you know, an awesome job that the artists did there. incorporates our history, but also brings a new flavor into downtown Westchester. And, you know, that's something I think going forward, we're gonna kind of concentrate on is ways to celebrate our history, but also incorporate um, a new approach, creating new visuals that attract people into the downtown. And I you got to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. And and I think more and more to our approach to history is changing. Not that the history is changing, but being more inclusive with the story that we're telling. That we're telling everybody's story, not just not just not just the not just the winners. <laughs> so, um, so is there anything that either of you would like to promote? Um, as we, as we're wrapping up. Yeah. Um, I, I can go first. I mean, for it's, you know, when we talk about historical preservation, when we talk about, you know, the character of downtowns, whether it's Lancaster effort or Westchester, all of that is 
contingent upon having a thriving downtown of restaurants, of retail stores, of other commercial office space. And, you know, with the challenges we see with COVID-19, it's important more than ever that we, you know, especially as we go into the holiday season, that we think and shop local Mm -hmm. as much as humanly possible. Um, That's going to be, that ties in so vitally with historic preservation um, because if you don't have, you know, your downtown doesn't have these stores occupied, then become vacant, then they become, you know, the kind of run down and then you get to a point where you're going to have to have you know demolition by neglect Um, so really it's just you know as you're going into the holiday season think and shop local as much as humanly possible I agree with you and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look at my Christmas list and 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 uh, make sure that that I start to think about that I've been doing that with with my restaurants like trying to eat independently so Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, uh, Jim, did you have something you would like to promote? Um, the, the trust, again, we've kind of shelved some of our, our tours, our plans, yes. that sort of thing for this year. I think the biggest thing is um, whether people can join us socially. Okay. You know, click on, follow, click on, on Facebook, page, follow us. Um, we really have some great articles on local uh, projects, buildings, histories yeah. in Lancaster County, and a lot of them are stories that people who have lived here many years have never heard before. Um, so I guess my biggest thing would be to follow us and join us. Um, we have our Extraordinary Give in Lancaster County, which is coming up, um, and that's a that's a funding source for us also. But I think our biggest thing is support us, join us, um, become a member. We're, we're of a good value for the money. Okay, very good. Well, and I will make sure that both of your social media and websites and everything are on our page so that we can send people to you because the website gets posted up on, um, it gets, the podcast gets posted on our website and then people can, can follow through. And then we also make sure, you know, when we promote it on our social media that we, we um, uh, tag you. So thank you both for, for joining me today. I enjoyed our conversation. Yes, Is there you. anything else that you guys want to, that either of you wanted to add that I didn't ask you about? No, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of your day. You thank you. You too. Yeah, Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.